on social media, I am unsure as to whether or not it is snowing in uh, in the New York area today. I have no idea. Nobody has posted anything about it. <laughs> it's so strange. Very See, weird. I, I also have no way of actually confirming this because I am not in New York City this time. That is true. That is true. Sam Dykstra, our uh, our traveling man of the the first of the tripod that will head to spring training. Um, Josh Jackson and I will be doing the same, but Sam is the first one to. It's a very stretched um, tripod. Yeah, it goes it's from a, Florida to Arizona. It's a long range type of tripod, um, and we will uh, will be uh, exploring the grapefruit and cactus leagues. Although, as the guy on Jeopardy said today, the Bush League, Ooh. one of the. Uh, one of the questions on Jeopardy was um, what uh, spring training uh, – I shouldn't say the question. The answer, spring training baseball in Florida is known as this league. And uh, my man answered, what is the Bush League? <laughs> um, nope. Uh, nope. Sure not. Sure not. Um, Grapefruit League I mean, is where I- we find Sam Dykstra, the Grapefruit League. Yeah, I'm sure there are people in Arizona who comparatively think of this as the Bush League. That would make a lot more sense, though, if it was yeah. in Arizona, like the Bush, the desert, that type of thing. That's Florida, true. Florida, you know, who's thinking Although, think about the uh, the former governor of this state, Tyler. Ah, that's true. That is true. Yeah. Fair point. Um, you know, I'm assuming they just hang around. I always find it strange. Eh, we'll leave that for a different discussion. <laughs> um, but hey, welcome inside this week's edition of the Show Before the Show podcast from MILB.com. My name is Tyler Mond. Sam Dykstra, not in New York City, is in uh, somewhere in Florida. Where in Florida? I am in Tampa. I'm actually right down the street, I think, from Bush Gardens. Okay. Uh, okay. Which does not mean I will be going to Bush Gardens. It's just okay. it is there, which is neat and good to know. And- That's good. Reminds me of the time I went there once with my family. Um, but yeah, no, it's been really good. I, I went to Clearwater today. Uh, you'll hear that later on in today. I, I got an interview with Adam Hazley, the first round pick of the Phillies. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Bumped into Scott Kingery's dad, and we'll talk about that in a little we bit. We will. Um, but yeah, Phillies are always a good place to start. I feel like they have a solid farm system and the, a lot of guys to see, both on the major and minor league side, who are still prospects, um, which makes you know, this kind of fun. It's you're not going into the depths. It's kind of anywhere you turn on the backfields there in clear water, uh, you're going to find somebody to watch. So it was a good first day. It's um, whenever you're in spring training, it's always a good day. It's my favorite day, my favorite week of the year when we get to go down and do these things. And um, Sam is down. Sam's down for a while in Florida. When did you get there? I got there. I got there. I got here <laughs> uh, yesterday. Okay. Tuesday. Super- Tuesday. Yeah, I got here Tuesday, uh, super early in the morning. Give me the full day, get settled, get my research in, all that kind of stuff. And then I am leaving next Friday. Man. Yeah. As one of my friends put it to me, um, I should start paying zero state tax because I've been in Florida a bunch. That's true. uh, The last couple, last 12 months. I've been here for spring training last year, then the futures game in Miami. Yeah. And then the winter meetings in Orlando. And here I am again. Yeah, so, you are getting very basically familiar. a part-time resident. Yeah, that's true. Um, and uh, this is the not the warmest that you have been while being there, but it probably feels the warmest since you've had to deal with a, a New York winter. Oh yeah, no, I'm which apparently right it's great. Yeah, apparently it's snowing yeah. there. Who knew? Have we mentioned that yet? Who knew? It's crazy. Has anybody um, mentioned it yet? <laughs> so, welcome into this week's edition of the show before the show podcast from MILB.com. He is Sam Dykstra and I am Tyler Mon, and we are talking all things minor league baseball uh, today. 
we are going to get a chance to um, continue along on our uh, discussion of our organizational rankings. And again, to kind of refresh what exactly these rankings mean, we are ranking major league organizations, their minor league systems via certain groups of players. So last week it was position players. What teams have the best position player prospects and where are they ranked among all 30 this week it's pitchers and of course we got the comments all over the place of oh how can you not have this team ranked here this is ridiculous you're not doing this is absurd i can't believe this they're not overall rankings they're just rankings in those categories so it's very important that we clarify that we will also hear from the sixth ranked prospect in the philadelphia phillies organization adam hazley the outfielder who last year spent time between the rookie level gcl the short season class a new york pen league and class a in the south atlantic league and was the eighth overall selection in last year's major league baseball first year player draft and uh before we get to those things um thanks for tuning into the show before the show wherever you found us on itunes apple podcast the stitcher app pocket cast the thing that we discovered recently that we were also on google play we're everywhere and you can find us and give us a rating and a review and a subscription and get in touch with the show as well podcast at milb.com we got a nice email um into the old inbox today from um father kevin delaria in pennsylvania did not realize that kevin was i we've heard from kevin before did not know that he was um in that line of work and uh, Kevin had a, a question about affiliations and the shuffling that's going to involve San Antonio and AAA and Colorado Springs and West Texas and all these different things. And so uh, if you, too, would like to get in touch and have your question answered and maybe get a very own personalized email from Benjamin Hill, who may still be alive. We haven't talked to him on the show in weeks. You can get in touch. <laughs> Podcast at MILB.com. Sam's on Twitter at Sam Dykstra, MILB. I am there at Tyler Mon. And um, – Let's get rolling. Strike one this week, Sam. Um, kind of a strange story that came out on Monday from uh, Washington Nationals camp in Florida. Seth Romero, the fifth-ranked prospect in the Nationals organization and a first-round selection in last year's first-year player draft, was sent home from West Palm Beach, Florida, and camp there. The 25th overall selection disciplined for, quote, violating club policy, unquote. That was according to MLB.com. The violation – not disclosed how long he's going to be home from camp also not disclosed um the transgression is according to josh jackson's report on our site was quote not reportedly a violation of major league baseball policy so we're not going to be in the business of speculating this but um one important thing to note in this story Seth Romero was suspended twice in college from his team at the University of Houston and was ultimately kicked off the team uh, for the Cougars, but still being a guy with a very strong upside and found himself as a first round draft pick last year. He pitched three no hit innings in his first uh, start at class a short season with the Auburn double days in the New York Penn league. And after that, he said, quote, I put, I put pretty much all that behind me referring to his disciplinary issues. I'm focused on what's ahead of me. Sam, what do you take away? What do you make from this? I mean, it's just really unfortunate. That's the biggest thing is that, you know, Romero is somebody we all had circled of just saying, like, we're going to have to watch him for behavioral issues. You know, you mentioned the issues at Houston, you know, being suspended twice and then being straight up kicked off a team isn't great for your stock, obviously, going into the draft because of character concerns, but also teams can't see you. Um, and if they're not being able to see you in the second half of the spring in, you know, competitive situations, then that's tough on you. Um, for him, you know, it helps to have a plus fastball and a plus slider and a pretty good changeup. 
I mean, you know, he has all the mix he has the mix down for sure. Um, that's how you end up a first round pick. But, you know, the Nationals, you know, have said like they don't normally like taking bad character guys. They just liked the package so much as a pitcher. Um, so to, and, you know, they seemed willing to work with him and take him on. And they knew everything coming in. It's not like they didn't do their homework. This isn't a big surprise or anything that he might have some behavioral issues. But to come into your first spring, you know, this is a chance to show the organization that you prepared all the offseason, that you got ready for a full season, you know, in his case to show he's ready to throw 120, 140 innings, something like that. And to be sent home from spring training is is – you know, it's harsh. Yeah, that's but, a big punishment. Right. It's, it's not something – I don't think I've ever heard of that. I mean, I'm sure it happens, um, but not with, like, a top prospect. The idea of we don't even want you around right Right now. Right. Like, just get out of here. It, and this could be something that they did for his own benefit. You know, he could be getting it in a, his own way. They may think, like, this is too much for you right now. You need to go home, clear your head, and come back refreshed. Problem is the season hasn't started yet. So what's going to happen in July? You know when he's been going at this for a while, um, all of that it just dredges up all of the things we were talking about going into the draft with him, um, and you know for the Nationals to to know what they were getting and to still not like what they're seeing should you know should be fairly telling to the rest of us. Um, you know we'll be co- keeping an eye on it the the way the rest of the spring and. Seeing if he's on an opening day roster, is this going to push even that further back? We'll have to see. But, yeah, just overall an unfortunate incident, it seems like. The um, the thing that you hope comes out of this, of course, if you're the Washington Nationals, is it's kind of a wake-up call that whatever this violation was is not something that's going to be um, – allowed it's obviously not something that's going to be tolerated but that a guy realizes all right i'm a professional now i got to figure out how to best go forward um that's a it's a risky move but it suggests that there have been issues before there is a very small likelihood that this is the first time something happened and the national said all right get out of here and go home um and you know like i said we're not going to speculate as to the depth or the specifics of that but it does suggest that there have been some type of issue uh issues before this and uh you just hope that it's not something that an athlete learns too late i think oftentimes that's what ends up being such a major issue for some guys is when the the maturity level doesn't progress fast enough then all of a sudden you find yourself not with a job and you wonder how you missed an opportunity. And if you're somebody like Seth Romero, the door is wide open. You're in your first full season, 25th overall selection last year. You're a left-hander, so you're going to get work. Got a 60-grade fastball, but everything's got to come together. It can't just be I'm talented because organizations don't often deal with a guy just because he's talented. So um, an interesting situation, a tough one, but an interesting situation. Um, Strike two this week, Sam. There was a uh, good post put up on MLB.com's Instagram and Twitter the other day, and MILB.com posted something similar today which is you're given $11 and you can build an infield out of these 12 players at varying rates of uh, purchase price the $4 prospects Vladimir Guerrero Jr. very uh, strong and um, beautifully swinging young son of all of ours as baseball fans Um, Gleyber Torres Nick Senzel and Fernando Tatis Jr. 
a guy who I have a very big man crush on. That's the $4 level. The $3 level, Dante Bichette's son, Bo Bichette, uh, talking about the, the fathers, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Dante Bichette, and Bo Bichette, his son, the first of the $3 prospects, along with Brendan Rodgers, Brendan McKay, and a guy who we'll be talking about coming up here in a little bit in Scott Kingery. Those are the $3 players. $2 players, Ryan McMahon, Luis Arias, Miguel Andahar, and uh, I like the uh, the comment about Pavin Smith that was up on the, uh, the Instagram post from the Hillsborough Hops who said, quote, we're taking at Smith 24 and then saving the rest for college. But you get $11 <laughs> and you get to build an infield out of those 12 players at $4, $3, and $2 each. Who are you going with? I mean, I want to know what this nine dollar college is. That yeah, the I would have, I would have very much liked for. to get into that school. Yes, that was, <laughs> uh, my loans would be pennies, quite literally. Um, so I think the way my team is going to shake out is I'm actually going to take your guy, your big man crush, Tyler. I'm going to take Fernando Tatis Aww, Jr. Does that mean he's off the board for me? No, of course not. Oh, okay, no, that's fine. Uh, we're not going to overcomplicate this. This is a silly exercise, but a fun exercise because what the heck. Uh, so I'm going to take him as my shortstop. Um, I'm going to take Kingery as my second baseman because um, I feel like there's not quite another second baseman like him on this list. Luis Urias aside. Uh, and then I am going to take Miguel Andahar as my third baseman and Ryan McMahon as my first baseman. Interesting. So I think that that's four plus three plus two plus two. That's eleven dollars. None saved up for college or hot dogs or anything else. Yeah, but yeah. That's okay. We break even, and I think that's it, it's just a really good mix of you know Kingery might have the best power of that. Well, it's between him and Andahar. Andahar probably has more power, and McMahon's right in that conversation. And Tatis has good amount of power himself. I mean, these are yeah. all guys capable of hitting twenty five homers a year. Um, but I really like Kingery's defense at second. Uh, Andahar has some questions at third, but he has a good arm. Tatis, I think, is going to stick it short. And McMahon, I just like him more than Pavin Smith at first base, and that's basically what it comes down to. I have $2 to spend on a first baseman, put McMahon over there. In this dream scenario, I can move McMahon anywhere I want and kind of yeah. play, play around with it and have some fun. But, um, yeah, I, I, I really like that lineup a lot, I think. Yeah. That's what kind of makes it fun. So what, what do you a- got? That is a pretty good, big group. Um, I think I go Tatis, obviously. Um, Brendan Rodgers at short. Brendan Rodgers has played multiple positions. He's played a lot of second base as well, so he's got a diverse defensive profile. I think um, Ryan McMahon is the best of the the first base prospects. He hasn't played first base for super long, but I think he'll develop into a, a very solid first baseman. Um, and, you know, Luis Arias is a guy who's played with Fernando Tatis Jr., all the way through the system pretty much. And so you can plug him in in a lot of different places as well. Just a lot of diversity on this team, Sam. Got guys who can play all over the place. Yeah, this, is 20 say, this is 2018 Major well, League your, Baseball. Who's your third baseman here? Um, I think of that group, it would probably end up being Rodgers. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's a bigger body guy. I feel like of that guy – well, or if you needed to slot somebody over at first base, Ryan McMahon can play at third. That's his natural position. So if you needed, you know, maybe a little bit of a break for the legs, maybe uh, Luis Arias is not going to be the biggest target over there. <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe Brendan Rodgers puts on a little bit of weight and uh, and goes slugging. I don't know. Maybe you trade off. Maybe you go Bo Bichette. His dad knew how to put on weight. <laughs> That was Dante Bichette was like the dude who played in front of me my entire childhood. I don't know why I'm just throwing shade at Dante Bichette now. I loved that guy. It was great. 
Interesting. Yeah, it's a good group though. Everybody can play all the positions, Sam. No, that's fine. Like, I, <laughs> I, I think Rogers would be like an interesting like Alex Bregman type third baseman. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, I think that's a very good cop. Yeah, so you just stick him over there, and you you trust him to work on it and figure it out. Yeah. Um, I also like the uh, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs commented, "Quote: What about three kingeries and a fourth kingery with one arm tied behind his back? Okay. He would have to play first, right? I I would hope so. Although then, like a three six three double play becomes impossible. Also, you would hope that it's his right arm tied behind his back. Because if it's his left arm, then he's yeah, and then he's got to catch everything barehanded. Right. Oh, yeah. God. Although the man has some meaty <laughs> hands." That's a meaty forearm. A big and paw. Okay. Well, speaking of which, uh, we'll dive into strike three. Um, Scotty Jetpacks was the uh, the nickname bestowed upon one Scott Kingery. And Sam got a chance to catch up with Scott Kingery's dad, Tom Kingery, who uh, ran into a Clearwater, Florida at Phillies camp. And this is a fun story. It's up on the site as of today. We're recording on Wednesday today. Yeah. So um, this was kind of, you know, you just hang out on the backfield, see what you can see find who you can find, that kind of thing. Um, a lot of it is is watching, you know, batting practice and watching PFPs and all that kind of stuff and seeing who's a little bit more in shape, and we can talk about that maybe a little bit later. But as I was back there, I was talking to somebody, and he introduced me to, you know, Tom Kingery, who is also there. Um, Tom Kingery, who knew that Scott was on the podcast, I have to say. He, he said, did you talk to Scott a couple months ago? And I was like, yeah, we had him on the podcast at the Futures game. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. Oh, that's pretty cool. That was pretty neat. Um, friend of the show. Friend Tom of the show. All, all the Kingery family, apparently, is friend of the show. Um, but he, he started mentioning to me that, you know, back in the day, back in 2006, um, he was the manager of a team from Arizona, from specifically from Phoenix and then from the Awad Kentucky uh, region of Phoenix that went to the little league world series. And Scott was on that team and his twin brother, Sam was on that team. And um, there were a couple other guys who were in that area uh, who are minor leaguers, you know, they weren't necessarily on that little league world series team, but they all played in that little league kind of system. Uh, names like Cole Tucker, Kevin Crone, uh, Jordan Kipper, Brantley Bell, Colby Wood, Mancy, uh, CJ Cron was a little bit easier or, or a little bit er- Earlier, a little bit older uh, than that crew, but he was certainly fitting into that mix. Uh, and he said it was just really interesting to watch all those guys grow up to be minor leaguers. He was actually there in the backfields. That's kind of how our conversation began was, you know, why are you here? Scott's in major league camp. He's over there. Why are you watching back here? And he said, well, I'm here for a week. And, uh, you know, I want to watch two guys who I coached who were Luke Leftwich and Tyler Viza. Um, and also there was another one, who was in that Philly system, who is no longer there. Uh, but he said it, it was just really interesting that at one point there were four guys who I coached all from the same area who ended up being, you know, Philly's prospects all in the same system, all around each other, all over again. Um, so I, I talked to him a little bit about that and what it was like to watch Scott growing up. And Scott was always a small kid. Um, you know, I think he says that at some point in the story that, that little league season, you know, they were age 12, something like that. Uh, but Scott and his brother, Sam, who was Scott played shortstop, Sam played second base. Uh, they were four foot nine, 79 pounds, uh, at the little league world series, which, you know, sounds small for anybody, but it, it's 
it is small for a 12 year old. And that was part of Scott's problem, you know, going through high school, he wasn't really well recruited. No pro scouts were looking at him uh, because he was so small. You know, they, they didn't think that would translate into the game. He ended up walking on at the university of Arizona, Sam, his brother, who wasn't quite as good a hitter, but according to Tom was a better fielder. Um, didn't really get any sniffs either. The only solid offer that they got was to junior colleges. Um, so Scott ends up walking on. Sam ends up dropping the sport altogether. Uh, Scott goes on to become a second-round pick, and now he's one of the best prospects in the game, one of the most exciting. Um, so you can really see how upset Tom was that Sam kind of let go of the game and that the game passed him by, not so much that he let it go, but that you know he wasn't afforded the same options that Scott was. Uh, so that's an interesting like parallel universe that we got out there that the Kingery twins are two of the most interesting middle infield prospects we have in the game. Um, but yeah, that just getting to talk to him, getting a little bit of Scott's background and how, you know, competing in an area like that, which was, you know, so filled with talent, you know, my little league system wasn't pre presenting any minor league options. And now all of a sudden, you know, there's, about 10 guys currently in the minors who at one point played in this little league uh, was fascinating. So really fun talking to Tom Kingery and uh, yeah, check out that story on the site now. Yeah. Great story up on the site right now at MILB.com. Um, last one, a foul ball for this week, some disappointing news for the Tampa Bay Rays who have become way too accustomed to that this spring. Um, Right-handed pitching prospect Jose De Leon was diagnosed with a torn right UCL and could be facing Tommy John surgery. He will reportedly go get a second opinion from Dr. James Andrews. Um, but that is, uh, you know, the, the tear in the UCL it's rare that a tear in the UCL can just be rehabbed unless it's very slight. Um, so just more downer news for the Rays. They already lost Brent Honeywell for the year and now got to deal with Jose De Leon. Yeah. Uh, you know, normally this would get its own strike, but I feel like last week, you know, we, we really, everything we said last week with Honeywell, you just transfer that to De Leon. Um, he's had more injury issues than Honeywell ever has as a pro. So this is just something to add to the pile, but uh, you know, for a pitcher, it doesn't get more difficult from this. Just knowing, you know, he's got a, another year that he's got to wait to try to make it back to the majors. This is a guy who made it to the majors with the Dodgers, then got traded, um, you know, to the Rays, who seemed like we're going to get it, give him a better opportunity, a better chance to stick. Uh, it just hasn't worked out yet. Add this to the pile. It's a rough situation, both for the Rays and Jose De Leon. Um, yeah, I think the Rays announced today that they're, thinking about going with a four-man rotation and then just using the bullpen for the fifth slot. And I wonder if that would still be a thing if, you know, Honeywell was healthy, if De Leon was healthy, if right. they believed in as much in their depth as some of the rest of us. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to be following that camp going forward. So that's it for three strikes coming up. We are going to head to the uh, Philadelphia Phillies organization and get a chance to um, dive into spring training, which is one of our favorite times of year. And Sam with a uh, visit to Phillies camp, got to catch up with the sixth ranked prospect in the organization, Adam Hazley, who joins the show from Clearwater next. All right, so how's the uh, first spring treating you so far? It's going well. It's going well. Been here for uh, a little less than a month now. All right. Came down here a couple weeks early, so um, just enjoyed getting back at it. Was that something the Phillies wanted you to do? Was that something your idea to come down here early? How'd that kind of um, work out? I think it was more open to anyone that wanted to come, and I knew I wanted to come here and 
kind of do some fly ball work and stuff like that back home. There's not really a field to do that. So we did some live BP and then we got some reasoning out there and stuff like that. So it was just good to get back on the field. Yeah. And when you're saying like fly ball work, what are you trying to get in, especially that early? Um, mostly like off the bat. Okay. So like we're taking BP and there's only, you know, there's not many people out there. We can just kind of read off the bat and um, shag, you know, power shag when we want to. And how comfortable do you feel now? Because usually you're playing baseball right now. Mm -hmm. So to get in that early work to kind of prep for, you know, 140 games to come. Yeah, it's, it's a little different just because, you know, in college you'd be starting early January, so you push it back a month, um, gives you an extra month to work out and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, we get you know, plenty of time to, to get acclimated, being on the field and seeing all and stuff like that. So. And what do the Phillies kind of stress to you to prepare for them in a game, you know, to be playing it deep into September? Yeah, I think it's um, just more of a, a mental thing of uh, being able to, you know, forget the bad days and, um, you know, get ready to compete every night. And going back to last year, you know, during your minor league time, I think you got 56 games, something like that, mm -hmm. between State College and Lakewood. What did you take out of that experience? What was kind of new to you and what were you kind of learning? Playing every night was, was new to me. Uh, you know, like I said, forgetting the night before and it's a brand new game and anything can happen. So uh, having a short memory and uh, taking care of your body, getting enough rest, eating well. And in terms of your skill set, what did you learn about yourself playing every day? Like, what, what about you trying to change? Yeah, you know, him with that? Woods a little different. Um, you, know, you can't really get away with things you could with aluminum. So um, you got to be set with what you want to do and, and how you want to you know, go from that bat to that bat. So everything has to be a, uh, you know, a little bit sharper. And what's it like being a Phillies prospect? You know, right now, Eagles just won the Super Bowl. Like, this is a pretty sports-hungry town. You're the first-round pick entering the first year. How has it been just entering that kind of atmosphere? It's exciting. Um, you know, I think everyone here is excited for, for the future. And, uh, everyone's working hard. We're not trying to take care of ourselves and uh, take each day one at a time. And what's kind of the atmosphere in this farm system as, as a whole? Because it is a young farm system. It is a, a talented one. There are a lot of, especially outfield prospects as well. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's kind of an excited atmosphere. Everyone's pretty positive and uh, especially looking forward to the season coming up here. So um, everyone's been encouraging, have positive attitude, so it's been fun every day. And what was it like last year, the draft process for you? You know, you had Adam Smith going through that too at UVA. You guys both go in the first round. What was it like going through that together, and then now you're both entering you know, your first full season? Yeah, it was cool. Uh, living with Peyton for two years and getting to know him really well. I was super happy for him when he got picked. And, you know, I mean, we both knew that you know, the guy was going to have a plan wherever we were going to go. So we just kind of sleep out and wait for something. Did you guys ever talk about who was going to go higher? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. We did. I mean, we were in the middle of the season trying to, you know, make to the playoffs and then do well in the playoffs. So we were pretty focused when we were both living together. Mm -hmm. And one of the scouting reports on you is that you got a lot of speed, you cover a lot of ground, good hitter, power's not quite there. Is that something that you're going to be trying to strive for or are you um, happy with where your game's kind of at? No, I, I mean, I don't think it's something that you, you know, actually think about during the game. I think it's more about swinging at the right pitches and um, kind of fine-tuning your swing. So. When that opportunity does present itself, that you can put on your best swing with a, with a good pitch. And has anybody talked to you, kind of like about the fly ball revolution, that kind of thing? Is that something the Philly stress with you guys? Is launch angles and getting into that, or is it still too early? It is. You know, there's uh, the hit track stuff like that in there, where it, you know it tells you what the spin rate, exit velo, and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, it's definitely emphasized here. And I think it's around baseball. It's, it's kind of going that way. It's uh, very. So, um, 
me, I try to, you know, swing at the right pitch and, and get off my best swing. And, uh, you know, those things kind of tend to happen when you do that. As I compared to what you guys were given in terms of that stuff in college, is it leaps and bounds? Is it... I think it's different. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, a lot more advanced. Um, in college, we did have that, but we didn't really, you know, focus on the metrics and stuff like that. It was more um, trying to, you know, win games and get to the playoffs kind of thing. Right. So did the Phillies kind of hold your hand talking you through all this kind of stuff, or is it kind of on you to study up as much as you um, I think it's a little bit of both, honestly. I think if you want it, you know, you can go ask and, you know, say you have a good game or somebody, you can go ask what the exit be those or something like that. I think they all track it. Uh, but if you don't want it, they kind of leave you alone. <laughs> and with the Phillies young guys, you know, up there now, Kingery, Crawford, Hoskins, all of those guys have come up and done really well. Uh, have you had any contact with those guys, or you know, when you were here early in Clearwater, did you talk with the major league side much? Or actually, did not. Uh, they were already started by the time I got here, um, so I haven't had much, you know, meeting communication stuff like that with those guys. Mm -hmm. And I know it's probably too early to guess where you're going to be going, but decent chance you're going to be here in Clearwater. What are you looking forward to about playing in the FSL? And you know, already knowing this atmosphere at the very least. Yeah, I've talked to you know guys that have played there previously. And nothing but good things to say about it. And, uh, so, I mean, honestly, I'm excited to wherever, you know, they decide to put me and uh, just try to take care of myself and play well. What's the, you think you can be your biggest emphasis for 2018? Biggest emphasis? Um, I think staying healthy and uh, staying mentally you know, strong and Continuing along in our prospect farm system ranking series. Uh, last week we had position players. and got a chance to catch up on that storyline with one Josh Jackson. And this week it's pitchers. And for that, we bring in Kelsey Hennigan, ranked all 30 systems, 30 through 1. And the pitcher rankings number 10 through 1 came out today. We're recording on Wednesday. Um, so when you hear this, all three stories are already up. Um, Kelsey, first things first, uh, did Sam just decide that he was going to rank them however he wanted in your story anyway, like he did with mine last year when I had this series? Uh, kind of. So there, there was definitely a discussion. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. there is no kind of. <laughs> it's a definitely. Let me talk, Sam. Let me talk. Yes, Sam. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, so he had his ideas in mind. He wanted me to have my own ideas in mind. Uh, most of it we came to an agreement with his ideas. But when I did stand up for things that I, like, was really passionate about, he was like, okay, go with your gut. Oh, so, wow. Was, oh, so you got to go with your gut. What did I get last year, Sam? Well, you got a correction is what you got. You got a correction <laughs> to the correct thing. A correction. Wow, correction, not wow. change of opinion. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's how it. it works. The Braves had a definite yeah. – and I would like to say that history has proven me correct. So, well, um, you know, I mean, the Braves uh, were doing some things and some stuff, and there have well, been some repercussions. Yeah, that didn't involve hey. any of their pitchers from last year, <laughs> Chief. You don't know how deep this goes, Sam. Deep state, those things. <laughs> deep state, yeah. John Coppola knows things that none of us know yet. That's why he's out of baseball. I do appreciate, though, that I can say that the Braves had the best pitching uh, farm system three years in a row. It would have been annoying to say, like, two years ago and this year. Ah, that's true. So Sam inadvertently well, created a uh, a good story. 
part of uh, part <laughs> of his has. part of his inadvertently created a good story. Part That's of his, what I'm putting on my resume. That's his just... editorial um, wonkiness with just uh, you know screwing with people's journalistic integrity, but it's fine. I'm not bitter about it. Um, so there, <laughs> there's our really? spoiler. The Atlanta Braves are number one. Uh, the 15 top prospects in that system feature 11 pitchers now um and they are loaded and we'll go through uh through 10 through one like we did last week with the i think we did five through one last week with the uh, position players philadelphia phillies check in at number five the new york yankees are number four i know there was a lot of debate there chicago white Sox are number three the san diego padres are number two with that loaded system and now three years running the atlanta braves um uh, kelsey what stands out to you about the teams that ascended to the top of the list is it more of a depth thing or a high ceiling thing for the guys they do have in the system what what's the thread throughout these top five i would say it's a combination and that's actually part of where sam and i would differ he was you know more about high ceiling guys carry a lot of weight and i'm like hey i'm naming 10 guys they gotta have a little bit of stature there uh, so, like I said, it was a combination. That was part of why I wanted the Yankees ahead of the Phillies was because I thought they had more depth. Uh, but we kind of just went from there. Well, a big reason I, I do like the Phillies system initially, and until I was swayed by Kelsey, I will say that for the record, I was swayed by Kelsey, um, is that, you know, Sixto Sanchez, I don't, the Yankees don't have somebody like him. And, you know, as much as we like to talk about depth in minor league systems, especially for pitching, you know, there's only five spots. So you are going to need high ceiling talent to kind of crack a major league rotation. You can have 15 guys. That doesn't mean you're guaranteed to have a solid rotation out of those 15 guys. Um, but what I think the argument that swayed me, at least for the Yankees over the Phillies, uh, Yankees at four Phillies at five was the fact that justice Sheffield, you know, he's going to be a triple a Scranton this year. Everybody's talking about, is he major league ready? How quickly can he be up? Chance Adams has already proven himself there. So you're already talking about their top two pitching prospects who will probably be major leaders. They've proved it, or they've proven how, just how good they are at the upper levels. When you're talking about somebody like Sixto Sanchez or Adonis Medina or, you know, Giorgio Romero or Franklin Kilome in the Philly system, these are guys who are still coming up. They haven't quite, you know, cracked double A, um, uh, certainly not triple a uh, you have to talk about somebody like tom eshelman who uh, i think has a high floor but a low ceiling uh, to kind of get in that phillies conversation so the yankees have a little bit mixture a mixture of both you know they as, as much as they don't have a Sixto sanchez who is number 26 overall sheffield is is a pretty good consolation prize and then when you add in uh you know how high adams has climbed in the past or climbed in the past and then albert abreu is another top 100 name in there uh, and then you can go on from there. Um, that's kind of tips the scales for us. So that's four versus five. But Kelsey, at number six, we have the Tampa Bay Rays, um, you know, which, which this is an interesting time for them, obviously, in terms of arms. You know, Honeywell and De Leon both undergoing uh, pretty big elbow injuries. But why do we still feel good about the Rays at number six? Yeah, that was definitely another one that we debated about a lot because at first glance, it's you just see Honeywell and Brendan McKay and you're like, okay, well, Honeywell's out for the year and Brendan McKay has a long or a little bit of ways to go for him. Uh, but then the more I looked at it, obviously I got Austin Franklin. They just got Anthony Banda in the three team trade recently. Uh, and then of course, uh, Sam reminded me of the AAA Durham rotation last year who set the single season minor league record with like 1400 strikeouts. Uh, and then they won the AAA national championship. So even though they don't necessarily have those, high-ranked guys, some guys who are in between the majors and minors, so they're no longer a prospect, technically. 
Uh, they still got, you know, Ryan Yarbrough, Jake Faria, uh, Blake Snell, and Michael Ross, and Torinos, and guys like that. So I think they still have a lot of, you know, depth there. It's just not necessarily the top names we're used to talking about with other teams. So these guys will definitely have to step up with Honeywell and DeLeon out for the year. What about some of these back end of the top 10 teams, the St. Louis Cardinals? We've been talking about, um, you know, Alex Reyes for a little while coming back from Tommy John surgery, Jack Flaherty. We know how well uh, he progressed last season, the Dodgers right behind them, the rich getting richer, the angels Shohei Otani is a, a different case. We're probably not going to see um, him, you know, ever enter a, a minor league game if all things go well and he's healthy. And then the Astros are still there in force. Whitley of course is suspended for 50 games, but the back end of this top 10, um, there are some really interesting prospects in that group as well what stood out to you about those teams uh for the cardinals it was really that i feel like they have a handful of guys who can be in bush before the all-star break this year like you mentioned reyes coming back uh jack flaherty dakota hudson uh went to tcl last year and it was just his first full season so he seems to be climbing the system quickly uh and then he got ryan helsley who has a cutter on uh, a pretty good arsenal uh again like jordan hicks Junior Fernandez. They just have a lot of guys who are making their way up the system, and so I feel like it's a pretty exciting time for them. But like you said, the rich get richer, of course, and the Cardinals always have someone coming soon. Just real um, quick, um, and, was one of you guys doing the show from a poltergeist? What was the, that? Was the most terrifying noise I think I've ever heard on the show? <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a <laughs> vacuum cleaner near me. Oh, you, it sounded about to ask so earlier, frightening. It, you could hear it. <laughs> As it went along, say, it sounded like a vacuum, but at first it was like, God, is Kelsey being pulled into the into the great beyond? What is happening? Okay, I, good. I told you it was Just a weird checking. night. Alone in the office. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought you were doing it from a subway station for a second. <laughs> and the A train was just plowing past you uh, on the side. Just yeah, practicing that's, that's rides on the 7 to, to new shit. I mean, I've heard it's really good acoustics, so... Right. Do you need to redo that or? No, no, I think no, we're no, good. No, 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 I think no. that was good. It's better. <laughs> and I'm leaving. And I'm leaving it in because it sounds. It, it was. It was okay. amazing. It'll probably be on Ancient Aliens <laughs> okay. or something soon. Um, okay, Sam, perfect. take it away. Starting again. Oh yeah, no! So it's coming it's back. back. <laughs> we're moving a little lower in the list, or higher, higher in the story, lower in the list. Uh, the Angels at number nine. Now, obviously, they're into the top ten because they signed Shohei Otani, who. We're going to give a ton of credit for being a really good pitcher. We didn't give him as much credit for being a good hitter in the position player list. Um, but why does Otani alone not quite get the Angels you know, into a top five situation here, Kelsey? Uh, well, the biggest thing is I don't know how much minor league games he's going to play. I think that their goal is that he will never play a minor league game until his first stint in uh, his first disabled list trip which obviously they pray will never, ever happen with their star. Um, so that's kind of why, I, you know, he, can, he carries a lot of weight. He's a big deal. He is a prospect. He is the top prospect. But he also isn't really a minor leaguer. So or really for our practices, it doesn't really work. Um, you know, they still have guys like Jose Suarez and – or, hey, yeah, Jose Suarez and Jose Soriano that are still exciting. But, you know, they definitely wouldn't be on the top ten without him, but they're also not going to – number nine is as far as he can take them. 
Kelsey, what about the middle third is always kind of difficult to rank in these stories because you have a good idea of who is going to be the upper echelon and who the teams who are struggling in certain regards are. But that middle third is always kind of tough. Is there anybody that kind of surprises you or stands out as a either a prospect or an organization that might be able to break through? The Tigers come in at number 11. They've got a lot of talent. It's young talent. Um, you know, the Brewers have had some really interesting pitching prospects in seasons past. Um, did anybody stand out of like, yeah, I could see this as a top 10 team going forward? Uh, well, the Tigers are definitely the most exciting. We didn't have them at number 11 at first, and then just, you know, looking through all of the names, like, one by one. It was just like they have too many guys to not have them be the top of this section, you know, with Franklin Perez coming over in the Berlander trade, and, then, of course, the first-rounders, Matt Manning and Alex Fado and Bo Burrows bring it up. So they're definitely the most exciting. Obviously, obviously that's why they're 11. Um, but I'm also kind of excited about the Marlins. I know that's kind of weird right now to be excited about the Marlins minor league system, but I, all the moves they've made this season have or this off season have actually started to really like show up on this list. So it's Alcantara and Guzman, especially, and then also Niedert and Gallon. Like it, I think there's more to the Marlins than people are giving them credit. You know, obviously Braxton Garrett went Tommy John last year and uh, Trevor Rogers didn't pitch after getting drafted last year, but I think things could start coming together. Uh, also, Dylan Peters was injured last year, but he will be playing again. So I think that this could be an exciting year for the Marlins to make the move, minor league speaking. And especially because you never know when they're going to trade next. You know what I mean? That's like true. JT Rowe Muto could be traded for a really good pitching prospect and shoot this up. And I know I've had conversations with people in the Marlins who say like, yeah, we had no pitching. We're trying to add to that pitching. So even what they did add, uh, if they hadn't added that, I, I can only wonder how far they would have gone down. Um, well, if Tyler's going to ask about the middle section, I'm going to ask about the bottom section, particularly at the bottom. Um, you know, we had the Mar Mariners at 30, the Royals at 29, the Orioles at 28. Um, you know, was there anything there to really separate those groups, you think? Or is it just, you know, how did you how did you kind of shake out the bottom? Because this is always what people are going to be looking at. I know Mariners fans are already like, well, there it is. You know, they probably knew that 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 was coming. But, um, you know, what what about the states of the Mariners, the Royals and Orioles? And do you feel like there's any way those guys, those organizations can improve? Or is it going to take some sort of rebuild to kind of and adding a bunch of names like we just talked about with the Marlins to, to catapult these systems forward, at least when it comes to pitchers? Well, for the Orioles, I mean, they have Hunter Harvey and D.L. Hall, who, like, Harvey, obviously, he's been injured most of his career, but when he's played, he's done really well. He just kind of slipped off of the top 100 uh, last year, this past rankings. Um, and D.L. Hall is also an exciting name. He just did not do so well in his pro debut. Uh, so they have big names. They also have some depth. They have, I think, 10, guy, 10 pitchers in their top 15 prospects who provide a lot of options. Um, most of them are in the lower levels or are coming off injury, so it's the Orioles' biggest problem. Um, but their depth is what made them the higher of the three, or lower. I always get that confused, like Sam. Um, the Royals, the thing that jumped out at me is, is that most of their big-name pitchers, if you could call them that, are from 2014, uh, which, you know, Obviously, it's not that long ago, but in baseball time, it is kind of a long time ago when you want to be excited about people. Um, like, 
Almonte bounced back last year, but again, he's, you know, isn't the big name that he once was. Uh, Scott Blewett, Eric Scoglin, they're like climbing the system, but they just haven't put up the numbers that they were first expected to in 2014 or not so long ago. Um, That's why they were kind of also lower on the list. And then the Mariners, I don't know, I guess I, no one really jumped out at me as being exciting yet. I think that's why they were there. They have, you know, a lot to prove and maybe a lot to add, I guess. Uh, like their top pitching prospect, Sam Carlson, he was a second rounder last year, um, but he's only 18. They're trying to be really cautious with him. So he, I guess he doesn't have the fanfare around him that the other guys do. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's it. The Mariners do need to add more. I don't, I mean, I guess like he could develop into something. Uh, there's the 2017-13 round pick, Wyatt Mills. He's a reliever. He's pretty good in the bullpen. Um, he could also develop into something. But I don't know. I think also for me personally, relievers aren't as exciting as starters. Um, I know that's kind of changing right now. That how important relievers are. But most of their big pitchers were relievers, and again, they weren't exciting by makeup or by staff. So that is why they're 30. She is Kelsey Hennigan. You can find her on Twitter at Kelsey underscore Hennigan, and we're going to let her go get um, absorbed into a TV or something, uh, whatever's going on with those noises. And uh, But the stories are up on the site right now. Farm system rankings uh, for the pitchers, 30 through number one, and position players from last week. If you missed those, those are up on the site as well. And Kelsey, thanks. Thank you. Where are you headed next? What's the schedule? I, I am he- heading to Yankees camp tomorrow, awesome. um, which will be good. And that's actually going to be starting my prospect primer series, um, which we have coming down the road. And we'll talk more about that on the show as we get closer to that series. But I'm really looking forward to talking some Yankees prospects. And they have a new player development kind of situation there. A lot of their guys went to the Marlins when Derek Jeter brought the team. Um, so I'm interested to see how that's going to all play itself out. And obviously a lot of guys will be in major league camp uh, who are still prospects. So the walking up and down that road, if you've ever been to Tampa, if you ever go to now a Tarpons game uh, or what was a Tampa Yankees game, or just go to a spring training game, you know, there's George Steinbrenner field. And then way down the street is the Meyer league complex. You got to kind of walk across a six lane highway and then walk down about a mile. They really <laughs> separate the two. Um, which makes me jealous of everybody in Arizona where it seems like everything's much more compact. That is how, that's how Giants camp is. Giants camp is certainly that way. Scottsdale stadium is kind of its own thing. And then the player development camp is yeah, a little ways away. So, um, but yeah, you know, um, we got cars, Sam, what are you running across the highway for? Cause you got to go across the highway to get your car. Then you got to go down there. Then you got to come back. Uh, It's like, it's just too many steps. Well, that's coming up next for Sam. Josh and I will be a week from Saturday. We'll be in Phoenix. Um, so next week we'll do another episode with me um, local uh, before heading down to Phoenix. But Sam will still be in Florida and uh, going to be fun. Going to be fun. It's finally the time of the year when we all get to go down and get sunburned. That'll be yeah. And we'll, we'll do our uh, This My Early Life at some point. Yeah, we will. Absolutely we will. So get excited for that. If that was something you enjoyed last year. Even if you didn't enjoy it, you're going to be stuck with it again. Um, <laughs> so there. He's Sam Dykstra in Florida. I'm Tyler Mon. We'll talk to you next week.